Support for this podcast comes from Wreckfest. In the summer of 2016, as the eyes of the world turn to Rio de Janeiro, Wreckfest brings its own style of street carnival to the recruitment industry, taking over Borough Market in London. Now in its third year, Wreckfest is a one-day celebration of all things in-house recruitment and resourcing, with an emphasis on the power of sharing. Wreckfest creates one of the largest conversations of in-house recruitment professionals in the world. To get a discount on your ticket, head to www.thisisreckfest.com and use the code PODCAST16. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 42 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Our industry is living through changing times. Technology is changing, candidate expectations are changing, and for many employers, the talent landscape is growing ever more competitive. Strategically driving the system's changes a lot of employers need to keep up is a big challenge for recruitment leaders. My guest this week is Barry Flack. Barry has worked in a number of HR and talent leadership positions within several fast-changing industries. Keep listening to hear his thoughts on driving transformational change. Hi, Barry. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing absolutely great. Thank you, Matt. Good stuff. It's uh, it's Friday morning, so uh, nearly the weekend, which is always uh, which is always good. Could you could you introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a bit about um, your background and what you do? Of course, I can, Matt. Yeah, I'm uh, an individual with a, um, a fairly varied background now, stretching some twenty odd years um, in the HR industry. Um, if there was one thread that ties together my uh, my entire career, it's been an appetite for change. Um, and a guy who I guess has been seen as helping organizations transform themselves. Uh, that's taken me on a, on a rapid journey through uh, the health service in the beginning, uh, through to a um, telecoms provider during uh, the 90s through an enormous amount of change. Uh, and certainly into that rapid transformation that's taken place uh, as we approach this particular century. Uh, across such organizations and industries as financial services, telecoms, uh, tech, uh, startup businesses, retail, utilities, um, with a real clear thread in there that, uh, as we all know, and as uh, certainly our listeners are um, are very aware of, uh, we've gone through in that period some rapid and fundamental change in the workplace. Absolutely. Um, specifically, how, how do you think in-house recruitment has changed in the sort of last three or four, three or four years from, from your experience? Yeah, I, I, I guess what, it, what has pleased me in many respects and in terms of uh, what I've seen is a, is a very clear realisation that the reactive manner uh, by which we um, as organisations have uh, tackled recruitment, tackled talent, uh, is no longer sustainable. So, you know, I've gone through a whole series of organizations that I think have set content, uh, realizing that getting themselves through either a high volume of recruitment um, or specialist recruitment um, in some, you know, 
lesser degree has been very much about answering any distress gaps in the organization uh, and a recruitment who you know i think has suffered uh, historically by being somewhat siloed and silent uh, frankly um you know has uh, has has suffered by being almost a service delivery arm required to make sure that the business operates um just within its own you know potential reach um, what I've seen over the last few years is a clear acceptance that the world's changed, um, that what we now need to do from a recruitment point of view is get on the front foot, um, that we've got to be proactive. Um, technology has clearly helped move to what was previously a debate that was massively centered around efficiencies and cost to one where you know we're incredibly enthusiastic about the emerging technologies that have come through. But now the challenge happens to be that that's an opportunity um, and some organizations are grasping it. Some industries are. Some are waking up late to the game. But there is a, a common perception that we've now got to get onto the front foot and be in front of an agenda rather than being content with the old resourcing function that literally had a series of numbers to deliver typically most uh, distressed um, inside a business that's trying to deal with change. And you mentioned technology there and technology change and innovation and the things that are, the things that are going on. Um, I know a number of organizations where technology or the, the older technology that they're using is actually, is actually potentially holding them back. Would, would you agree with that? And if, if so, what, why do you think that's happening? Um, we, we went through uh, six, seven years ago, um, you know, a, a, a much smaller market where we had clearly, you know, uh, I would argue, you know, two big main players in what was uh, an applicant tracking system market. Um, and if you take the wider HR function, there was almost a parallel debate going on in what were big HRIS systems. Um, and inside those, of course, had hidden um, always a module on recruitment that was being developed. Um, both of those were, in, in terms of today, clunky. You know, they were record-keeping machines. They were there to help us deal with the volume and understand that volume. Um, and what we've tended to do is we haven't caught sight of the fact that the market now, from a systems perspective, is all clearly about user experience. Uh, we've flipped at some point between having a user experience at work that couldn't compare with the, you know, the lack of technology at home that has flipped. Um, and we're now left, I think, in some respects with contracts in established organizations with legacy systems that are giving us very limited ability to impact upon the user experience, the candidate experience, and frankly, go after that proactive talent strategy around sourcing, um, you know, that we equally need to get in front of to give ourselves some competitive advantage. From a, from a broader sort of HR technology uh, perspective, which you touched on there, do, do you think that um, organizations are still in that mindset that they need to um, have all of their HR tech from, um, from one supplier? And, uh, you know, if that means poor recruitment technology, so, so be it. Um, or are you seeing, um, you know, more of a change in attitude in um, HR in general towards sort of more flexibility and agility? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really good question, Matt. I, I, my theory on this is um, 
you know, we're held back by a system. Um, and, and this is not, I would suggest, a technology system. This is much more about how the rules of engagement at work hamper us to be a little bit more enlightened. Um, I think what that means is an awful lot of the decision-making power, clearly, as you would expect around HR directors, um, have them from a legacy uh, of being business partners. Uh, we don't have enough, I think, people who've risen to the top, who've got the fabled seat at the table, um, allowing um, you know real good judgments on what the technology landscape looks like. Um, and of course, you know, also within that system, we've got our procurement functions in house. Um, who've got a very clear sense of what good looks like. Um, that's driven very much about simplicity, about cost, about uh, scale. Um, they naturally dislike standalone systems sitting in a part of HR that they don't understand. So, you know, you then got into a, a CEO who, frankly, is utterly overwhelmed by some of what we're dealing with today. And what you've therefore got is, you know, a need to have a, you know, a characteristic inside the recruitment function that pushes a corner that literally says, you know, the functionality that we're getting in some of those old legacy systems um, will frankly not give us uh, a desired strategic uh, advantage that we've gone after to promote our own brands, to collect and engage with our own talent communities and to convert um, you know, talent into our organization on an ongoing 24-7, always connected basis. Um, but that's hard and I have a lot of sympathy for recruitment leaders out there who have that to battle against. But I would also say that a huge part of the skill set to be successful has got to be about us pushing um, as leaders doing the right thing, you know, inside a very crowded marketplace. And what would your advice be to uh, a, a recruitment leader to sort of help them drive that change? Because I know that um, you know there are a number of uh, uh, recruitment leaders I know who are who are excellent at that, but actually um, there's probably a much bigger number of people who um, you know either either don't want to or don't know how to drive that kind of change. What would your advice be? Yeah, look, I think the advice has got to be that underpinning everything we talk about, the advantage technology gives is this is still very much about a people relationship business. So any of our recruitment leaders has got to recognize that, you know, they've got to join up the dots with a wider strategy of the business. Um, they've got to be able to really understand how to build a business case that understands, frankly, the fears, if it calls that out. Um, of a HR business partner, of a HR director, you know, within the business. Um, we're still caught up, um, I think, in a bit of a malaise where, you know, um, the business, the wider HR community, frankly, don't care how things get done um, because they equally are overwhelmed by other things that they need to do. But what we've got to do is, and I don't think we're very good at this, is building that business case. And that business case is about a longer-term relationship build um, we've got to put aside some of the mantras that come up every so often about leaving HR behind and looking longfully and blissfully at the marketing departments, um, you know, and, and without, you know, the history of building a silo around a very important functional area, um, that social capital of helping the rest of the people organization get back to basics um, will pay dividends. But, I, you know, that, that has been something I haven't seen 
um, as a core competence in, in, in too many of our recruitment functions. You, you mentioned um, the, the whole concept of kind of experience um, a couple of times, whether that's, yeah, that's user experience um, or in, in employee experience um, or business experience in, in, in general. What, what's your sort of specific view around that? Because I know it's um, you know much discussed as a big uh, business and um, HR and recruitment trend at the moment. Yeah, look, there's, um, you know, if I, if I think of one particular anecdote in an organization I walked into, um, they had been putting into um, their annual people report, uh, you know, front up, front and center, page one, that one of the things they were so proud about was the volume of applicants that they were attracting to their organization. Um, that was some false sign of their validity, importance, brands, you know, was the number of people who seemingly wanted to go into their applicant tracking system and get lost in there. The the debate at the board table, um, you know, amongst incredibly clever business people, that that was just the wrong lens to go after, um, that the indirect consequences of what that meant for them, especially given that they were, a, you know, a, a high street retail organization, uh, was crippling. You know, they were in danger of diluting everything that their consumer brand was trying to build as they were fishing in exactly the same pool. But it's not untypical. There's there's lots of old mantras that have not been challenged. Um, and look, frankly, us in that recruitment profession have got to be the people who've got to take the lead on that. We can't sit on LinkedIn and berate it constantly, and we can't sit around in our own silos shrugging our shoulders. We've got to take that battle on because, you know, we get it. Um, we've got to understand that some of that legacy technology that frankly was put together by technologists and not recruiters, um, that was incredibly good at allowing us to move into it and tracking it from a record perspective, now needs to build a case that resonates with a board and with a business that has other, you know, other concerns. It's not going to happen on its own. It's got to be us, and we've got to take some leadership. No, I think that's uh, that. That that's uh, it's some some really sensible, proactive thoughts there. Uh, final final question: um, What trends, whether they're technology trends or other trends, um, are you seeing at the moment that you're most interested in for the future? What, what do you think is going to, um, you know, take hold, and where, where is everything going? So I think that, you know, I would talk about a couple of things. You know, uh, I, I think if you look at the constituent parts of what makes up the, the landscape for the internal recruiter, um, my conversations and my observations suggest that everybody is now into building levels of capability to up their game. So I've had a, a long history in the, in the market of RPOs. Um, you know, there's a there's a very lazy, almost sort of reactive debate around their value in the market, which I think needs challenged. Um, I think some of them are clearly building strength in their organization beyond a transactional numbers game, which is one of the criticisms they've had in the past. Um, you know, you look then across in terms of um, what we are looking at in relation to the internal recruitment function. And I think, you know, what we are in danger of is how much can we make up in ground after so many years of underinvestment? So, you know, I do believe that we should clearly be learning the sort of art and science that, um, you know, has been used to an extent around marketing. 
Um, we should clearly be knowledgeable about what's in that technology market, and I'll and I'll mention some of those things in a minute. But what we're not good at is we don't really have an investment in ourselves mentality um, that allows us to walk with these things. You know, the the talent stroke recruitment marketplace, the ability to be successful now, I'd say is three or four times more complex than it was a decade ago. Uh, And and with that hand in hand means that if we are not willing to put a level of investment in the people, um, you know, that is in there. Uh, at the right level, and you know what I mean by that would be we've created a little bit of an industry and noise around sourcing and sourcing techniques, which is absolutely right. Um, but I think somewhere amongst it, we've lost that old legacy skill of sales. You know, this is still a relationship business. Um, this is still about connecting with individuals in a manner that. We're moving slowly from, you know, the content that we're able to push out to the increasing use of video from an employment branding perspective that truly, you know, engages with us much more than reading it in black and white. But frankly, we're going to need to move the debate and dialogue along to find a way of putting an element of human back into a process that we were forced to have years ago when we sat around with our Rolodex um, you know, on our telephone lines um, and how survival was very much about how we were sweet-talking the secretary of the chief executive or otherwise. Um, I think the the generation that is coming through at the moment has got some great skills around um, mining into technology. But frankly, we need to be uh, striking a level of balance around how we are converting you know, some of the biggest decisions we're making at the moment, which is, you know, where we're going to pitch up from a career job perspective and what are the skills that will help us convert really good people in the marketplace. Barry, thank you very much for talking to me. Not at all. My thanks to Barry Flack. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. To listen to past episodes, get email updates and find out more about me, go to www rfpodcast.com I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me This is my show